Hey, hey, everyone. I'm your host, James Jackson, and this is ArtCast. Join me each episode as we focus on the challenges and opportunities our category management and shopper insights friends face while in the trenches. If you're ready, let's dive right in. I'm here today with my friend, Kate Berg. And she's a, cat, a customer category manager in Tyson's Retail Commerce Leadership Group. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Kate, before we begin, um, we always do this, and, and I'll tell the audience, Kate's journey is proof that your path can be non-traditional, but ultimately you find yourself smack dab in the world of category management. So, if you could spend just a couple of minutes sharing a little bit about your experience and and then we'll get going. Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Good to see you. Um, yeah, so I'm with Tyson Foods and I have been around for almost just shy of 25 years. So nine different roles, four different functions, three locations. So I've relocated. Um, I started with IBP. So the fresh meat side of our business, and that was pr just prior to the Tyson acquisition, and I was in human resources. I was a corporate recruiter with a focus on our engineering roles at corporate and plant locations. So kind of my first glimpse and how fresh beef and pork products come to market. Um, I then moved into the college relations position, um, did that for four years, managing our college recruiting and campus events and our internship program. And that's what I was doing when Tyson acquired IBP. And so that position was identified as one of the early positions actually moving to corporate headquarters in Northwest Arkansas. So my husband and I said, sure, this is an adventure. Let's go. Um, so then in Arkansas, I soon moved into a manager role, managing a team of corporate recruiters and working with VPs and directors to fill positions across the organization. So really getting a chance to see how the new um, company was coming together. It was an amazing opportunity to learn cross-functionally um, understanding what hiring managers were looking for and skill sets and people skills um, as the teams are being built. And then while in HR, I had the opportunity to be part of our emerging leader development program, um, which again was just more continued learning, more exposure, and most importantly, um, opportunities for networking. So I had the right conversation with the right person at the right time about what might be next in my career path. And it opened a door as our training team was kicking off a people rotation program. So they were picking up about seven people from one part of the organization, kind of throwing them somewhere else, see what would stick. And I moved from HR into a brand manager role, supporting our club business, um, developing products there. It was uh, supposed to be a three-month assignment. And it turned into almost two years just because we were having so much fun. Um, but I had the opportunity to take eight items to market. So from start to finish, from insights through R&D, through um, just vetting the whole process. And so it was in incredibly exciting, most of them being refrigerated and then a couple in Frozen. And it was at that time then that they were like, hey, this is a people rotation program. Like, we got to rotate you. And there was a new opportunity um, that became available at Super Value as they had just purchased Albertsons and they had this new corporate team looking for in-house support from key strategic partners, which Tyson was identified. And so the customer category manager and the category catalyst, or James Jackson and Kate Berg, <laughs> um, we were, we were in-house. And so as the catalyst, it was a dedicated resource to align our total Tyson resources 
um, and provide customer-specific solutions. And then with that role, I moved from Arkansas to Minnesota to be customer-facing. Um, and then based on the normal ebb and flow of our of our industry and the business, there was contraction and expansion. And I uh, had the opportunity to provide some long-range planning guidance to other accounts like Target and Wegmans. And so it was fun to start you know, branching out and learning um, about other customers and uh, expanding that knowledge base. And then based on Target's emphasis um, in increasing their food footprint, and own brands, our target team expanded and I was able to move into a direct sales role on the target team. And I was managing our refrigerated product portfolio there. So after three years in sales, um, Tyson acquired Hillshire, right? So now all of a sudden there were more brands, there were more people, there were more tools. And it became really evident that like it was time to get back in category, right? Get back on that side of the desk and take advantage of all of those tools. So I have been back in category for the past eight years as a customer category manager, but I have supported about seven different evolutions of sales teams as we've shifted either based on customer needs or internal needs. Um, And so right now I primarily focus on uh, supporting our national broker relationship for our Western regional grocery chain. So about 24 key accounts. And then I have one direct account with Save a Lot. Wow. So there you go. <laughs> <How's> that? <laughs> what an incredible <laughs> journey. And, and um, a lot of that I did not know. So it's good to learn about that and good for our audience because you're probably the first person that has really come in that's had that true sales or customer development experience and then gone back into category management. So I, I, I want to touch on a couple things um, just to clarify for some some of our audience. So you mentioned a category catalyst, which was a unique position. But could you describe just very quickly, what did you have to do as a category catalyst? Oh, it was so much fun. So totally made up position, right? Um Dedicated resource, again, to super value, and I was tasked with navigating and fast-tracking um, category pro- projects through both the Tyson system um, and super value, right? So we were, talked earlier, like you were in-house, I was in there two, two, three times a week, and our goal was to understand as much as possible about the customer strategy. And then it was my job to go back from a Tyson lens and figure out how do I pull these resources together and and provide a solution there. Um, So customer meetings, like whether we had the Tyson people coming up to Minnesota or we brought people down to Arkansas, um, coordinating all of those resources and bringing people together, um, identifying the, the research from a primary and secondary standpoint that would help us drive some of the insights and solutions, and then actually bringing some of those projects uh, to life in store. Yeah, so that that's very obviously very unique, but it was it was almost it sounds like a forerunner to what people do with the joint business planning process. Um, so yes. really, how do we how do we connect the dots both internally as a manufacturer with a primary retailer, and you were that person because of your network and in your understanding of the whole business, but a, a critical role, but a, a challenging role, I would say. Yeah. It was absolutely, but it was so exciting, right? So we, I was um, pulling together our resources from all of our business units. It was fresh, um, frozen, and our refrigerated prepared. So internally, those pieces of the business didn't always talk together. And 
so it was my job to to bring like here's the lens of what we need to do for super value for their banners for their ultimate um, consumers and and kind of focus the tyson resources on what we could do specifically for them yeah no that's that's awesome so that that was the the experience you know direct with the customer dealing with both sides of the equation sales category management brand and so on then you move into the customer development role and i'm wondering how did that experience as a category catalyst help you and prepare you for a pure sales role um so it it was it was a fabulous opportunity right you gotta carry the bag so they say right you gotta have the volume and responsibility for what's going on um because i had already spent some time on the target business with some of their long-range planning um, I'd already established some of the relationship with the buying team, right? So first of all, you've got to build that rapport and then have those relationships there. So now I just had to narrow my focus on what the target buyers and the guest needed. Um, I was managing lunch, meat, and bacon. And since I had created club products during my time in brand management, um, I had been in those plants. I had worked with R&D. I knew the personnel. I was able to leverage internal networks there based on target-specific initiatives, right? So I was taking that same lens of what are, what was the super value-specific things that we needed. Now, how do you make, you just get a switch your focus and really understand how this new customer um, is looking to operate and their strategies and how do we align with those? Um, and so then just being connected and leveraging those internal networks again just inherently helps you move faster through through the system and, and meet the needs of the customer in their business. Okay. So nice. Um, so yeah, definitely sounds like you you have the tools, right? And you you had some prior experience. So you probably walked in and said, Okay, I, I get this, I got I can handle this, no problem. But there were probably some things that you ran into that you didn't expect or had to learn. Could you talk a little bit about that as far as your, your role at Target? Yeah, so from a sales standpoint, um, I think first thing that jumps to mind is we were an, uh, an own brand partner with them for lunch, meat, and bacon, right? And so we are, we're working with very specific uh, product guidelines and needing to meet, obviously from a food safety and quality standpoint, but making sure that we were checking the boxes for, for all of um, their requirements for a very robust um, own brand program, right? And that was that was challenging sometimes, trying to connect the dots between producing a product from a Tyson spec standpoint and meeting the needs of the of the retailer spec standpoint, and just making sure that we have all the right people to, uh, talking and holding hands <laughs> to make that happen. Got it. Got it. So okay, so so you're in this role now. You have moved into a uh, now from pure sales to pure category management, right? Um, but I think as a category manager, you would agree, and on the sales side, that sometimes those two roles, sales and category manager, the objectives can conflict or they can contradict, right? So is there common ground or a formula for common ground that you found that allows those two to play well in the, in the sandbox together? Um, I, I, yes, I think so. And I think based on my catalyst experience and kind of pulling all the resources together around the table, um, I am very fortunate that right now that I don't have any official firewalls that I am navigating in my category manager role. So um, I pride myself in always presenting the voice of the category and the consumer, because if the category wins, 
then in most cases, the retailer is winning. And as a vendor partner, we are most likely seeing growth. Um, I mentioned that when Tyson acquired Hillshire, you know, all these tools that were suddenly available to us, our shopper insights team is second to none, right? They conduct very robust research. They are mining secondary data. They are ultimately building um, these category leadership platforms across our, our core categories, which is nine or 10. And these are tools that allow me to manage the 24 plus accounts that I have on my desk, right? A customer has a question. We want to do a deep dive in this area. Well, I have the toolbox all right there. I pull the deck and, and I'm able to just harness what I need to be able to approach every customer interaction from a position of strength with category agnostic data, right? I mean, so that's just, I think, huge. Um, and it's allowed me to build solid relationships with my, my customers so they know that they can trust and rely on the information that I'm sharing to be objective and in their best interest. Um, so they oftentimes will call me first when they have a question. And so I consider that a win in my book. And I have worked long enough with my sales teams um, that they trust and understand the data and I can work kind of both. I, I can serve as a consultant for both internal and external stakeholders, if that makes sense. You're working with a national broker, right? And you say yes. 24 different accounts that you're yes. touching. So you got a lot on your plate, right? Yes. Um, and, and as a customer category manager, there are times from what I would gather that you are directly interacting with a customer. So you can share that information, but there's a lot of times where you're not, and specifically maybe going through that broker. So can you speak about the dynamics of managing um, that process, working with someone external and giving them what they need, but then also being able to accomplish your goals when they've got a lot of other brands and other priorities on their plate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it has been an adventure for sure. So having touched this part of the business for about the last eight years, um, it's been a um, an exercise in process improvement. So we had been national broker and then we actually split east and west. And now we've come back to national broker. So we're in year two of that relationship there. And there has been a lot of growing pains, but then also a lot of growth and opportunity. Um, so I think one of the, the big things is just open lines of communication and regular touch points. So early on, like practically in my signature line, I had your lack of planning is not my emergency. <laughs> because when you have that many accounts on your table, like you just can't do fire drills every day. You can play, you can leave room for some fire drills, but you got to have things pretty buttoned up. So we've done a, a lot of heavy lifting to create regular team connections so that we can manage the business proactively which sounds very basic, um, but we literally mapped out all of the touch points that we needed to be successful. And we booked biweekly calls with all of the appropriate teams because we figured we'd rather cancel a scheduled call because we were all locked and loaded and knew what we were doing rather than trying to pull everyone together for a last minute fire drill. Um, so now we've kind of gotten to the point where most of our resources from a broker standpoint are dedicated, but even the ones that still share us a little bit on their desk because we have regular touch points, we keep ourselves top of mind and we keep ourselves kind of up to date on all current customer needs. <laughs> Got it. So so you are very um, intentional 
and process driven when it comes to working. I, I'm assuming that's the same, though, not only with the broker, but with any of the sales team. I, I have to be. When you have that many, um, it's too easy for some pieces to get kind of lost in the shuffle. And I don't want anything to fall in between the cracks. And so, like I said, I'd rather have everything on my schedule. And if we need to cancel, we cancel. But otherwise, you're not looking for me and I'm not looking for you. And um, your customer ends up having the information that they need when you need it. Beautiful. Beautiful. So um, when it comes to boiling down that information, right? What are some key things that salespeople look for from a category manager to help them with their job? Yeah, I think first of all, the question is, how do they look for it? And I think one of the other things that we have done a really good job with um, in the last 18 months, we have really worked on some consistent corporate reporting, right? We're almost at dashboard stage, but our commerce analytics team has done a wonderful job of, you know, you have all these teams who are kind of running their ad hoc reports. And so some people start pulled it a certain way. So things weren't always apples to apples. We are relying now on more consistent reporting so that number one, the salespeople know where to find it. It's updated on a monthly basis. Um, they understand the format. So they're not hunting and pecking every month. There's a comfort level that comes with, oh, here's the data. Here's what my sales are up. My sales are down. Oh, I can click this button and I can see base and incremental. Right. So it's led to having some really um, great conversations internally that, yes, helps train the salespeople. But it allows them or us collectively to ask better questions. Because if we're asking better questions and then we know where the data is and together we can kind of dig a little deeper so which brands are up, which brands are down, right? So now we're kind of chasing those breadcrumbs together. Then if they have a question and they can't get a hold of me, they know where to find it on their own, right? Because that was a holdup when I was a salesperson. I didn't have access to any of this information. So I was re relying on somebody else to get back to me. Well, sometimes you just want to take a look at one or two things to get back to your customer in an email and sound really smart. And so, and so that's our goal, right? And if we are asking better questions, we're removing some of the obstacles before the customer can even bring it up so that then the salesperson is equipped to go in and have a more consultative sales conversation of, well, here's what the category is doing, right? And so then they almost sound like they're as smart as a category manager. Wow. That is, that's a huge evolution then from <laughs> the way things used to be, because especially yes. on the fresh side, um, yes. where you have a category or a, a customer development person talking category versus yeah. having the only way I'm going to talk about it is if somebody else comes in and talks for me. Yeah. I mean, it's super exciting. It's just it's elevated the whole game. Wow. And, and I'm sure from the retailer perspective, they they like that language as well because they they see that you're actually not just selling product, but you're trying to find a solution. Exactly. You're selling a solution. Yeah. Wow. OK, that's good. That's good. Well, we've been in the trenches for just a little bit here, Kate, and thanks for all your insight. I, I think it's definitely valuable for everybody listening. But now we need to come up for air. Finally, coming up for air. Okay, so this is a, a little chance to have some fun. Um, so I, I think people probably heard you, but um, you talked about the fact that you were in college recruiting, right? Yes. So 
to go from college recruiting to product, that's a pretty big. <laughs> so can you just, you know, obviously it may be fun and the, but what, what are things that, you know, you, you really enjoyed by making that move? Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, in general, it's been a, a genuine interest to just keep learning. I mean, we can go a step further back. My, my major is fashion merchandising, right? So I started in retail. Um, so finding clothing to help people look good. And then I moved into recruiting to find people to make people look good. And so I just see it as kind of a transition into now I'm finding solutions to make customers look good. Right. And and in general, so I mean, I say that in jest, but um, genuine interest for learning. And it is amazing to me all the work that goes into bringing the products that we produce to market, right? It's an incredible network of people and truck drivers and product and, right? I mean, nothing just magically happens every day. And so to learn how all of those pieces fit together, um, I think it just helps to have that big picture as you put all all the, the, the pieces together to, at the end of the day, keep it really simple and, and find things that work. So you, you talk about fashion, which explains or at least leads into my next question. Um, you were known, I don't know if you're still known this way, but you were well known for your shoes. So Kate <laughs> would walk in with every known, every shoe known to mankind, every color, every pattern. What was the highest number of shoes you ever had? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think I have refined my collection now to maybe 40 pairs. I would probably say at the height I had close to 100. I would have never counted them because then it's plausible deniability that I would ever even have to admit how many shoes I had. And they may have been spread across three or four closets so that you never knew exactly how many were there. And now the funny thing is, I probably only wear about five. Five oh, different pairs. Oh <laughs> no, Kate, you're letting us down. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite pair? Oh, my favorite pair. Um, it doesn't even exist anymore. It was um, a Cole Haan peep toe snakeskin little heel that I bought for myself with some of my first bonus money after I moved into the, into the catalyst position. So a little badge of honor and they were super comfortable and very versatile. And literally they've broken half while I was wearing them after about 10 years of having them. <laughs> so the that is funny. That is good. And I think I remember that pair. <laughs> <laughs> so the list, the last question for you, you know, to close, um, you know, you, you obviously have a lot of experience across a number of different areas of the business. Um, but let, let's focus on, that, again, that kind of relationship between sales and category management. There's there's a couple, you know, nuggets that you could drop or one thing that you would recommend when dealing with that interaction, what would it be? I think ultimately just staying open to opportunities, right? Open mind, active listening, eye contact and complete sentences, whether it's with your salesperson or with your customer, um, because you're making those connections. And um, sometimes with that active listening, you might hear something that it, it gets glossed over if you move too fast and so you might really dig in to understand what a customer concern or a salesperson's concern really is. And then I would also say just looking for ways to improve and simplify process, right? What we do is not necessarily rocket science, um, but if we can stay connected from a communication standpoint and we can 
especially in my world, streamline as much as possible, um, then it allows us to look for the areas of opportunity as opposed to just kind of chasing our tail throughout the week. Nice. Nice. And, and I, I literally wrote down your lack of planning is not my emergency. Love Amen. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Kate. It's been awesome. Um, Thank you. So good to catch up. Yeah. And your career, you know, it, it was one of those that I really wanted to talk to you about because I, I think it really is instructive for people not only who are maybe going through the experience, but also dealing with the different departments or different areas. And, and how do I manage through that? So this has been incredibly helpful and and well wishes on your next step in your career, whatever that may be. Thank you very much. All right. Well, you've just listened to another great episode of our cast. Please look forward to more interesting stories and people in the weeks to come. For more information on our podcast, please go to www.catman.global slash artcast. And if you know someone who is just crushing it, please complete the form at the bottom of our webpage. We'd love to have them on our show. So with that, this is James Jackson signing off, and you've been in the trenches. See you next time. <laughs>